following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. I am, of course, your host, Steve Kent, and right now we have Lou and Diane on the line with us so far. Uh, I expect Alex will probably be joining us within the next half hour or so. Uh, Lou and Diane, how are you two doing tonight? All right, Steve, thanks. Good. All right, well, that's good, that's good because we got a lot to get to tonight. Uh, yeah. A quick reminder if you guys... Uh, anybody listening hasn't done so yet and you want to subscribe to the Missy AE podcast, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, or you can subscribe at any of our major podcast networks, such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and so on and so forth. Uh, tonight, though, we open. Hang on. No, not on, you- not on YouTube uh, just yet. Um, yeah, um, we're still we're still we're still trying to get it uh trying to get it worked out, but um no no YouTube just yet uh but we have a lot to get to tonight uh first off with uh some news from the wrestling world and it happens to threaten the main card for WrestleMania, which is set to take place in Philadelphia this year for WrestleMania 40. Uh, In particular, the world heavyweight champion, Seth Rollins, has officially been diagnosed with a a partially torn meniscus and also a fully torn MCL injury. Now, in particular, uh, as far as uh, what the extent of it is, apparently the injury was suffered during a recent title defense this past Monday night on Monday Night Raw, where Seth Rollins was defending the championship against Jinder Mahal. Uh, He went for a backflip off of the top rope, and as he landed on Jinder, apparently that is when the injury occurred. As he was then uh, after he uh, after he made the attempted pinfall uh, and Jinder of course kicked out, Seth Rollins was then shown holding his knee. Now uh, a lot of people would think that maybe perhaps this is a storyline injury. This is not a storyline injury. He is 100% injured. Uh, I mean, he's been dealing with injuries the past year, anyways. He's you know he's very banged up, but this could ultimately put him on the shelf, potentially past WrestleMania, uh, which is set to take place in April, in the in the first week of April, April 6th and April 7th. Uh, now, the question is, what type of surgery is he going to have? Is he going to have under, uh, arthroscopic surgery or is he going to have invasive surgery? Now, my understanding is if he undergoes arthroscopic surgery, uh, the chances of him appearing at WrestleMania appear more likely as opposed to if he were to undergo invasive surgery. Yeah. Now, 
in terms of the timeline, I've seen any anywhere from three to six weeks. Uh, but basically, if something if something were to happen, you know, if he had to undergo invasive surgery, that would mean everything would have to be opened up, and uh, you know, basically, it would have to be completely fixed. And normally, uh, this is just based off of what's being reported. Uh, this is apparently the same knee that he injured years ago when uh-huh. he was in the middle of his when he was in the middle of his first big uh singles run as a heel as the heel champion and back then his championship reign had to come to an end because of the injury and now apparently it might be the exact same uh it might be the exact same issue here uh when it comes to him and it kind of it kind of sucks for him too because sure. uh you know he's been champion for about i think it's over 200 days or so that he has been uh officially champion for uh okay. in his first title reign actually yeah 236 days so this puts the rumored uh, the rumored main event for night one of WrestleMania, which is supposed to be Seth Rollins defending his title against CM Punk, who just returned to WWE back in November. Apparently, yeah. uh, that is now in jeopardy of potentially happening uh, or of being canceled. Seth Rollins is scheduled to deliver or to address his future as world heavyweight champion this Monday night on Raw, which uh, if anybody knows anything about announcements and, and uh, wrestling, normally when you're, when you're scheduled for, to, to address something, normally it's not good news. No. So what are, what are your thoughts on this, uh, on this, Lou, considering the fact that this is the same knee that that it's been that you know that he's had uh, surgery on before, uh, he had to have a plate actually placed in uh, last time. Okay. Uh, considering it's the it's the same exact knee, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think uh, the three to six week time frame is correct, or do you think it's going to be much longer than that? Oh, it's going to be much longer than that, especially because if he has to go under a basic surgery, it's going to take him at least, a, I would say, uh, a few months at least. There might be three or six weeks. I think it's going to go much longer than that. So that's going to be tough to heal. That's a tough injury to heal from, especially if it's on the same knee. You know, so um, I really don't see it as being a quick recovery. I know that, you know, athletes like this, well, don't call them athletes here, are, are in good shape, but, you know, that's that's just a hard hit. And, uh <laughs> that's not, that's, Achilles is not easy to recover from. I mean, take a look at Aaron Rodgers. He had Achilles heel. He was up for the whole season. You know, so uh, Achilles is nothing to be taken lightly. So I don't think uh, you're going to, especially as it's a major surgery, it's not going to be anytime soon. Sorry to disappoint you, fans, but that's the way I see it. Now, the other option is for him to wear a brace. 
all the way up until WrestleMania, where now supposedly the rumor is is that he would drop the title at WrestleMania. He would drop Ooh. the title at WrestleMania to whoever he would be facing. Um, you know, there's always the possibility that uh, he could wear a brace, potentially, you know, putting off the surgery until after WrestleMania. Uh, and uh, but also at the same uh, at the same time, this would probably mean that they would they would uh, limit uh, the amount of time he is actually in the ring. Chances are he would probably be held out of the he would probably be held out of action until WrestleMania, uh, which is still a couple months. And if he waits until after WrestleMania, he may not even be in WrestleMania. Yeah, he might not, but there is still there is still the possibility that if he wears a brace, he could he could at least get through the match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From what uh, from, from that's at least from what's been reported. Uh, that's one of the options that they're weighing right now. Um, there is also the possibility that maybe perhaps. He gets, uh, you know, he gets written off of TV um, on Monday night by being cashed in on by the Money in the Bank winner, uh, Damian Priest, which basically winning Money in the Bank means that you you get the opportunity. You can you can cash in that contract at any point, any any moment uh, of airtime, like. Or Seth Rollins could be in the middle of the ring cutting a promo, and Damian Priest could run out there and immediately cash in his Money in the Bank contract, right? Like even if the even if the wrestler isn't ready, that's one of the things that could potentially happen on Monday night. Uh, mm-hmm. However, though, supposedly, according to Wrestling Observer Radio, Seth Rollins versus CM Punk is still penciled in to be the main event for night one of WrestleMania. So it sounds like maybe perhaps they think that he, that he will at least still be able to work through WrestleMania. However, you know, there is that stipulation that the title must be defended at least every 30 days. So with his current condition, there's no way that that would be, that he would be able to do so. So what the, I think what they might do is either he drops the title or or he gets cashed in yeah. on whether it's voluntarily or he gets cashed in on on Monday night and then uh he'll end up go, he'll he'll end up going uh and having the arthroscopic surgery which would be the minimal Amount of time that he would uh, that he would miss, and ultimately he will still end up working WrestleMania. And if need be, then he could after WrestleMania he could have the bigger surgery if need be. Right. <laughs> but regardless, so, uh, Being realistic. What do you think is going to actually happen? What do you think is well, going to actually happen? Well, 
I just told you what I think will actually happen yeah. is either he voluntarily gives up the title or he gets cashed in on uh, oh, okay. on Monday night yeah. by Damian Priest. And then basically he'll be written off of television uh, so that he can have he can have the minimal surgery, and then he'll come back in time uh, to for do for WrestleMania. Uh, to, yeah, for WrestleMania, and then maybe perhaps after that they they revisit how his knee is looking, and then they make a decision then if they decide to. Uh, you know, if if they if they decide to undergo uh, the more invasive type of surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Regardless, regardless, though, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a huge blow for for WWE's programming, and if anything, this should this yes. should show people that for people who believe that wrestling is fake, wrestling is predetermined. The match, the match results are predetermined, but what happens in that ring, anything can happen. Much yeah. like what, uh, much like what happened here on on a move that he does on on almost a, a daily basis when he's in that ring, and a freak accident ended up happening, and he ends up uh, he he ends up tearing his MCL and partially That's tearing amazing. his meniscus. Uh-huh. That you don't think. So it all it, it really all depends on, on just exactly how he landed that move. So uh but anyways, let us uh let us move forward here as we have of course uh the NFL in yeah. the divisional round right now. Uh, we do have one game currently in the books with the Baltimore Ravens punching their ticket to the AFC title game for the first time in Lamar Jackson's career uh, with a 34-10 to victory over the Houston Texans earlier today. That's shocking when you think and about earlier in the game. What was that, Lou? Well, when you think about it, because Early in the game, you know, it was very competitive. I mean, Texas was hanging in there. I think they had a brief lead, and it was tied 10-10 the half. But something was happening in the Baltimore locker room uh, at halftime, and they came out and they just uh, ran, just ran all over Texas. I mean, Texas couldn't even score a field goal in the rest of the game. And the Ravens and Lamar Jackson just boosted uh, an easy victory. You know, I wonder if they I wonder if they picked up on the fact that Houston was blitzing a hell of a lot in that first in that first half. Uh-huh. Okay. Because it seemed like it seemed like uh every time Houston would would hit them with the blitz, Baltimore would all, was always unprepared. And that's yeah. what was working defensively for Houston. Yes. <laughs> but the blitz, uh, the halftime, blitz, blitz. when when they send more than uh when they send pretty much almost every uh almost every defensive player uh yeah. rushing towards the quarterback oh gosh as opposed to like sending three or four people uh you know they'd send 
they'd send like most of their defensive line uh yep. towards the uh towards the quarterback. Um and I think mm-hmm. that's probably what Houston or what Baltimore really picked up on in the second half uh, and made the necessary adjustments. I mean, Lamar Jackson, you know, everybody has always known him for being a dual threat quarterback, uh, both passing and rushing. And we saw that today with two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns. Uh, He only threw for 152 yards, but he also ran for a hundred yards. So, uh, you know, it, it, this is the. Uh, I, I honestly, I can't believe that this is literally the first time in his career thus far that he has made it to the AFC title game. Mm. That is kind of, yeah, that is kind of strange to me because you know, he's done <laughs> he's done so well and but well deserved. I mean, you know. I know the bench is going to get their attorneys again one one of these days, and you know it finally happens. I mean, it's not it's not a long time coming because he is a dominant quarterback and is deserving of MVP yeah. this season. And I think he'll get. And I you know, it's funny. It. It, it's funny, Lou, when you think about it too, because you know everybody was laughing at Lamar Jackson for betting on himself uh, this off season oh, by not hiring an agent. Uh, he didn't hire an agent, and he basically he basically was his own agent. And yeah. he ended up uh, holding out right. before signing a contract with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, right. You know, and everybody everybody thought he was so stupid for doing so, but he bet on himself, and look at where he is now. Now he's in the AFC title game, awaiting yeah. the winner of Buffalo and Kansas City tomorrow. Right. But I mean, you you take a look at his at his, uh, at his weapons that he has to work with. I mean, obviously, Lamar himself is a weapon. But you take a look at, at who he, at, you take a look at what he has uh, otherwise in the rush game. You know, you got Justice Hill who had 13 carries for 66 yards. Uh, right. Gus Edwards had 10 carries for 40 yards, and not to mention they got Dalvin Cook in there too. Who uh, who they picked up uh, in free agency after the Jets uh, waived him uh, suddenly this uh, d- during this year, and not to mention the receiving core. You got rookie Zay Flowers out of Boston College. You got uh, veterans like Nelson Aguilar and Odell Beckham Jr. You know who just won a uh, just won a ring with the L.A. Rams two years ago. Uh, you know, you got Isaiah Likely, who has been, who has emerged as a uh, as a star on that offense, as well as Rashad Bateman. I mean, Baltimore. If I'm being honest here, Lou, I would almost I would have Baltimore as the favorites next week, regardless of who oh, no wins question. between Buffalo and Kansas City. No question about it. Yeah. Yeah. Thing is, you know, um, well, I guess they can't. I guess they haven't picked a line yet by how much they're they're fair by. Yes. Yeah, there's no there's no word yet on what the on what okay, the uh, potential line would going. be. But now listen to this: the Lions are fair by six and a half tomorrow. 
and it's the biggest they've ever had in their in their uh, playoff history. So uh, that might that might say something there too, and that's my sleeper pick. You know, I could kind of, I can kind of see why they would be up six and a half because uh, yes. when you look when you look at Tampa Bay, yeah, Tampa Bay scored thirty two points last week against Philadelphia, but. Uh, you know, something that people have to take into account is that Philadelphia w- was under what I call the Matt Patricia experience, uh, where yeah. where anywhere anywhere Matt Patricia goes, the team gets ruined, basically. Yep. Whether it's New England, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Philadelphia, regardless of where he is, uh, nothing good can come of it. And right. we saw that with well because he's horrible. Exactly. You know, uh, people thought that he was well, an excellent defensive coordinator in New England, but I think if anything, that just spoke more of the defensive talent in New England as opposed to actual uh, play calling. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Uh, it's weak. <laughs> okay, I'm on you. And you know, you know, another thing about about Philly too is that uh, Philadelphia was one of the spots people were looking out for potentially for Bill Belichick. If yeah, Philadelphia were to lose, uh, if Philadelphia were to lose, there were rumors that they could move on from Nick Sirianni, which uh, apparently they're choosing to stay with Sirianni. So uh, that is out the uh, that possibility is out the window, and another surprise uh, development too that's also out the window is the fact that the Dallas the Dallas Cowboys, despite their horrific showing against the Green Bay Packers last week, yeah. they're hanging on to they're hanging on to Mike McCarthy. I'll, now, I know that's going to happen, and I know they're going to ask a stupid question. Why? He should have got fired right after they lost the game because that was just a poor excuse. Look, I know you've done well in the regular season and whatnot, but you have lost in the first round three consecutive <laughs> years. And I, I can't believe that Jerry Jones is hanging around him. Who is Mike McCarthy the owner or is Jerry Jones the owner? Jerry Jones is the owner. Mike McCarthy is the coach. I mean, when is Jerry Jones going okay. to stand up and have the ball to, to, to fire McCarthy? Well, there's – this is just my opinion. I'm wondering if Belichick maybe told him no. I'm wondering if Belichick told – if Belichick, Belichick told Jerry Jones he wasn't interested. Because that, in my well, opinion, okay. I believe okay. that is that. the only way that Jerry Jones would move on. Right. I mean, but this so, is, I, mean, for, I mean, he said him in there. So, I mean, just, right, right. You know, and uh, the thing that the thing that gets me too is, you know, Mike McCarthy was was known for his offensive uh, for his offensive uh, genius when the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people thought 
that bringing in Mike McCarthy would be the best option at the time for Dallas. And to be fair, at the time, yeah, it was. I mean, at the time, and Garrett were no trouble. So why is this any different? I mean, Garrett was Garrett was a schmuck too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, I just, I just, I just feel like, you know, if you're if you're looking for a team that's trying, or if you're looking for a for a coach uh, that can get the most out of uh, out of Dak Prescott and uh, and the rest of that offense, when you consider the amount of talent on that Dallas Cowboys offense. And yeah. those years, those years, you remember when Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott lit up the league in their first season? Absolutely. And then, and then after that, it was basically, you know, the offense completely fizzled under Jason Garrett. And yeah. I think, I think that they felt that bringing in Mike McCarthy would light a fire under uh under Ezekiel Elliott and Dak uh-huh. Prescott which obviously it didn't help that Dak Prescott got injured uh one of those years oh. so that season was basically lost uh for for his development and obviously we saw Ezekiel Elliott went to the uh went to the Patriots this off season but mm. turn Tony Pollard flourished underneath uh underneath McCarthy. So I look at it like this. I feel that okay. the only way that Dallas was gonna get rid of Michael McCarthy would have been if Belichick had told ha- had told uh uh Jerry Jones that he was in. Yeah he was the yes, fact I guess. that right. yeah the fact that they're hanging on to him I think I think it, it it tells me that more than likely Jerry Jones was not willing to give up uh, personnel control to Bill Belichick, and ultimately that's why Belichick has decided to uh, decided to say no. Okay, but if you've been in a sucky season like that, and if you uh, have the same type of uh, season where you, where you won the division but uh, lost the playoffs again. I would hate to say I told you so. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always it's there's always the possibility that maybe maybe perhaps if they had moved on that things would that things would be different. But uh, well, you know what? Let's get let's get the thoughts from uh, from Alex, who is now joining us. Uh, Alex, yeah. we've been talking about the epic collapses of the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia last week and oh, yeah. how Dallas has decided uh, to stay with uh, Mike McCarthy at the uh, at the helm. What are your thoughts on that? Hey, guys. Can you hear me okay, Steve? I'm calling from my, my Bluetooth. Loud and clear, loud and clear. Awesome, awesome. Probably too loud uh, and too clear, but oh, well. Yeah, I can hear you. I digress. I can hear you. Uh Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, just I, we could kind of see it coming. The the Eagles were in just an absolute downward spiral. I, I really, yeah, I, it really was coaching. I've never seen that before. Not to make excuses, I mean, but they had a darn good roster, and like when it's not necessarily the players, 
it's got to be some the people calling the shots. It was just a mess. Um, so I don't think he should get another shot, but the longer they they wait, uh, it looks like the head coach might survive another year as long as he gets two really good coordinators. Uh, and then um, and hopefully if Kelsey reneges on his idea of retiring, I think it was the heat of the moment, um, and he hasn't confirmed it yet. So hopefully he sticks around for one more run. But, yeah, for the Cowboys, I definitely think that's the bigger story because I thought uh, Belichick would land there. You know what? I think at the end of the day, it might be too much of a power struggle because mm. Jerry Jones, that wasn't a great history, I know, but he definitely tends to like the yes man. And Bill can really rock it. Bill wants a lot of control. So I think it's really two, two massive egos that are maybe – it's maybe too much. You know, I, I don't know if Jerry Jones if Belichick is his type. I really don't. I know Belichick and Parcells are tight, but – I. And I heard what you said before. Maybe it was because of the personnel. Maybe Jerry didn't want to give uh, Bill that power. And I think Atlanta's perfect because Atlanta's a little bit more desperate to get a big name. So they'll give Bill really whatever he wants, I think. So I think I think before long, Bill will definitely sign up and uh, be the next head coach of the Falcons. Right, yeah. Atlanta, you know, Atlanta yeah. is still out there as a, as a possibility. Uh, for for Belichick, uh, he did go through a second. Uh, he he went through a second interview, and apparently he had dinner uh, with Arthur Blank uh, earlier this week. I forget I forget when it was, but uh, apparently he did he did uh, have you know have dinner uh, yeah. with Arthur Blank. So. I mean, who knows? Yeah. You know, who knows? It is definitely a possibility that maybe, perhaps, he's going to, uh, you know, that he's going to Atlanta. But it is worth noting as well that Atlanta is also uh, is also recruiting uh, Coach Harbaugh as well. Yeah, yeah, they're covering all the bases, and you know, blank. I know Lou and you and Diane, we all made it corner the last week. I mean, he's got a ton of money. He can yeah. give him a blank check. So it's like, you know, wow, like Niners that. just janked the field goal. But uh, either way, I mean, yeah, oh. he's covered his bases. So if Belichick box or if he's happy but not quite happy, I mean, he can, he can interview three or four big names right now. So it's a big big chance for the Falcons with a really good young roster. If they had to get a new really good coach and he brings in a quarterback, they could definitely be a playoff team next year. So he, you know, and, and also there's no guarantee Bill Bill might be interviewing somewhere else tomorrow or the next day. So Blank's going to interview a few yeah. different people and see who yeah. the best. Got it. So I'm going to talk to Arbaugh while he can. Right. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it, it could it could just be a case of them doing their due diligence potentially uh, when it comes, you know, when it when it comes to that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it sh- it should be very interesting uh, to keep an eye on moving forward here. Wow, the Boston Bruins are absolutely lighting up the Canadians tonight. Jesus. Everybody's you know, getting in on the that, scoring. If you just see what that is, you see what the game with the Stars uh, Devils game is. Diane, you don't want to hear this for sure. I'm guessing the Devils are losing. 
They are losing, and they are losing badly on their own home ice by a score of six to nothing over the Dallas Stars. Wow! Wow! You suck. Well, you know, you suck. You suck, Shark. You know, though, Dallas is coming off of their coming off of their own embarrassment just the other night against the Philadelphia Flyers. So, you know that. They're probably they're probably playing with uh, you know with, with some increased intensity tonight, uh, looking yeah. to you know look looking to try and turn things around after after how that turned out. Right. Yeah. Again, an angry team. Angry team on a rebound. They're dangerous. They want they want to get back in the winning column. Does that mean the next right. the Devils play? They're gonna play angry. Uh, well, if they, well, get, their ass, they get their ass kicked tonight, they'll come back angry the next game. I mean, mm-hmm. six nothing on your own home ice, that's how they get anybody angry. Right. Uh, Might be a couple brawls. Mm-hmm. Might be a couple brawls by the end of that night if uh, a couple of New Jersey Devils are going to start fighting. Uh, maybe it might happen before the game was over, Steve. <laughs> it might. But it's going to get messy. Yeah, I mean... I mean, who knows? You know, it. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. With the uh, with the trade deadline uh, getting near, you know, there's still. Yep. Teams teams are still trying to decide what their what, what their overall plan is going to be. Uh, ultimately, you, you know, when it com- when it comes to. Uh, I think it's still a couple of weeks away. I but, think that's how March. Is it March? Yeah, I think it's the first week of March. The NBA one is first. Oh, okay. You got All time. Right. Plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so may, maybe March. maybe I'm a little uh, maybe I'm a little ahead of a little ahead of schedule uh, because I mean I've been I've been reading into a whole bunch of a whole bunch of rumors surrounding surrounding different names and different teams. Uh, that could be that that could be potentially uh, looking to make some moves. Hey, but, Diane, I'll, I'll put it to you this way: it happens after the uh, All Star game, but before the All Star game, before my birthday, which is the same month. Sometime in March. Yes, before my birthday, which is in March. Oh gosh, you guys, you guys knew that. But uh, but anyways though there's yeah you know there there's definitely uh, especially with the Bruins you know I, I'm still I'm still stunned right now just just watching this team because I'm sick you know on paper on paper you take a look at at where the Bruins were supposed to be. And you know, considering they lost, uh, they lost David Krejci, they lost Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. You know, big stars. Not a lot of people. Well, not a lot of people were looking players. at the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I thought Krejci and Bergeron out. Like, you know, the, the Bruins would have a season like uh, you know in the dump, but they're just showing they can do it without them. Much to my surprise. What happened to those two players? Did they retire? 
Bergeron did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Also, Krejci retired too, right? Uh, Krejci retired, yeah. Yeah, okay. All you got left is really uh, Pasternak. And I know somebody's a big fan of that one. Yeah. Yeah, besides you, Steve. Yeah, I I yeah, know who you mean. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, sorry, I was uh I was I was looking at something just now. Um but okay. oh my god, and yet another one. Nine to four Ugh. for the Boston Bruins. In particular, Danton Heinen with his first career NHL hat trick. <laughs> you talk about a guy who was signed? Who was signed to a tryout agreement? Signed to oh, wow. a tryout agreement before the season started. It started the season with no contract. And it's funny when you consider that, considering the fact that he's been a veteran of multiple teams, including right. the Anaheim Ducks, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And even the Boston Bruins themselves, you know, he started off his career with Boston. Right. And apparently this guy wasn't good enough for any team uh, to even consider him. And Boston brings mm-hmm. him in on the bare minimum, and he is one of the key – one of the key depth pieces that they that they've uh, that they've signed. I mean, you take a look at a whole bunch of signings they've had. Uh, Denton Heinen, James Van Riemsdyk, Kevin Shattenkirk, all for a million dollars or less each. Oh yeah. And now Denton Heinen is about two goals away from ten on the season, which for. Huh. A team that's just looking for depth scoring—that's literally that—that's golden for uh, for from from you know from somebody like him. <laughs> All right. But anyways, back over to the NA or back over to the NFL though. Uh, okay. Yeah, when it when it comes to when it comes to Bill Belichick, it seems like the Atlanta Falcons are in the uh, you know they're in the driver's seat. Uh, right now, apparently, apparently there it's between Belichick and Harbaugh, as they've requested a second interview with Jim Harbaugh as well. Right. So, so. it's not all it's not yeah. all that confirmed that Belichick is going is going to Atlanta. However, uh, if he does get the Atlanta job, it is rumored that he is going to bring his usual stooges. Over there, and oh, by God. Stooges, by Stooges, I mean his offensive coordinator will probably be Josh McDaniels. His oh, defensive yeah. coordinator will be either his son or Matt Patricia, and <laughs> his, and, and uh, Joe Judge will be in charge of special teams. I'm the judge. He decided. Come on. I know oh, Bill's a really yeah, smart guy. Got Is he that just married to this like set of guys? He's, they got to you got to carry him, un, pack him up, and bring him uh, on board everywhere he goes. I mean, Patricia was just absolutely embarrassed 
as the Eagles' defensive coordinator. How did yeah. we want to re- reunion with him? Joe Judge was a disaster in the Giants. I mean, Bill's got to be better than that, I think. Don't you, don't you guys think it's time for him to maybe get some new assistants? Uh, yeah. New start. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. <laughs> the problem with Belichick is he doesn't, you know, he doesn't work well with people that he's never worked with. You know, yeah. he, he's one of those people that wants as much familiarity around him as possible. He's afraid of change. That's why, you know, you know that, that's why instead of getting an actual offensive coordinator a year ago, they decided, he decided to bring back Matt Patricia and make him offensive coordinator. Yeah, nice going, stupid. Wow, and that's you know that that's why you continue to see all these people come back to him because yeah. you know he he just he can't work with anybody else. Like for example, mm-hmm. uh, if he were to have stayed on New England, if he were to, to have stayed with New England, and let's say okay, Bill O'Brien, let's say Bill O'Brien still accepts uh, that position as offensive coordinator with the Ohio State Buckeyes, which, by the way, that is officially confirmed. Uh, Bill yep. O'Brien is going back to the college ranks, uh, back to uh, or going to Ohio State uh, officially next season. Yeah. If Bill were to have stayed in New England, he would, uh, mark my words, he probably would have brought back uh, Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator. That I can see I mean, a little bit, but I mean the other guys, the guys like Judge and Patricia, though, it's like you want to hang on to your best friends. If they're not performing, you, it's a business, yeah. you know. He's going to be looked at too. I'm sorry, I know he's got the rings, but it's a wonder. What have you done you know. for me lately, too? I mean, he really struggled his last couple of years. He's going to Atlanta. He, you know, he's got a. He, you know, what if he struggles again and goes six and eleven for a couple of years? Then his legacy's really getting tarnished more. I mean, he better start winning games. If I were him, I'd be surrounding myself with an elite coaching staff. But he's, you know, still married to a couple guys that he brings everywhere with him. I don't know. It's going to be interesting who's going to be on staff. But, I mean, Steve, if you're right, man, it sounds like he's bringing the old gang back, bringing the band back. Yeah. Now, I I will say this, though. If, If Judge is in charge of special teams, I don't think that's a problem for Belichick because Judge, at, le- at least with special teams, jo- Joe Judge was actually pretty good as a special teams coach with the Patriots all those years. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this year he was a special teams consultant, but he wasn't the actual he wasn't the actual special teams coach. That was Cam Acord, who thank God has been fired uh, from New yeah. England. Because they've been interviewing a whole bunch of special teams coaches uh, around the league to potentially become the new special teams coach in New England. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, as far as Belichick goes, he always wants familiarity around uh, around his teams. So, I mean, hell, that's why – that's it. that's even why he brought in his sons to be coach to have coaching spots on the Patriots when he was there. 
And by the way, there is a rumor that uh, that both Belichick brothers may actually stay with the Patriots because they have been offered uh, they have been offered deals to remain members of the Patriots. And I wouldn't be surprised right. actually, considering how close. Uh, Considering how close uh, Gerard Mayo is to uh, to Steve Belichick, it wouldn't be surprising if Steve Belichick gets the title of assistant head coach. Influence, which is basically the title that uh, that Gerard Mayo was thought to have had this past this past season. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh specifically when it comes to Belichick, it is kind of a surprise that he turned down not just Dallas but also Philly. And the reason being is apparently and this is according to Tommy Curran of uh of NBC Sports Boston. Uh, that Belichick apparently is done with big media outlets, or, or he's done with uh, with big media markets. Yeah. So, they, so it's confirmed Dallas and Philadelphia both approached him. You're saying he denied them or like ignored them? Yeah. They even yeah, say, Bill, do you want to do Yeah. Uh, apparently, what happened was he. Uh, was he basically turned them down? Hmm. All right, Bill. Do it yourself. Do what you got in Atlanta. No Tommy boy. Yeah. Time to win, Bill. So these years, are, they keep ticking away from those Super Bowls, Bill. Let's see what you do in Atlanta. I'm, I'm, it's going to be the most fascinating coaching story in, in sports for the next couple of years to see what he does. I would think. Yeah, I mean, you know, th- if anything, this is probably the one the one coaching change that is really going to be looked at w- uh, with a gigantic microscope because, yeah. you know, everybody is mean, saying that – Sorry, Steve. Well, I uh, everybody, I'm, you know, I'm, rooting, I'm, really, I'm rooting for Mayo hardcore, too. Everyone's sleeping on Mayo. I really – you know, I'm not trying to, like – Oh, I told you so. Bill sucks. Obviously, Bill's legendary, but you know, I think I think maybe the Pats will be better off without him. You know, I don't think I don't know. He's not automatically going to turn super, uh, Atlanta into a Super Bowl team. So we'll see. Right. I mean, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of uh, you know there's a whole bunch of things uh, when it comes to Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta. You know, they have some good young pieces. But the problem is they don't have a quarterback, just like the Patriots. They don't have yeah. a quarterback. There's quite a few pieces that they still need. And it makes it even more questionable as to why Belichick would want to go to a place like Atlanta. But apparently, uh, yeah. and actually it wasn't Tommy Kern, it was Mike Florio uh, who reported oh, yeah. it, that um, as one league source explained it, Belichick is believed to be done with big market media. 
making him more inclined to go to a place like Atlanta than Dallas or Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And also, as to the Cowboys and the Eagles, there's also a belief in some league circles that both teams expressed interest in Belichick, that Belichick didn't reciprocate said interest, and that those teams then decided to stick with their current coaches. Mm-hmm. And as far as uh, why Belichick doesn't want to deal with big market media anymore, uh, this is what Tommy Curran said. Uh, just the simple fact that you have uh, uh, you have a tele or you have a radio show from two to six p.m. You have a radio show from ten to two prior to it on one radio station. Uh, you have two radio stations. You have a television station that's on all day long talking about you, talking of course about New England media. You have a myriad of of newspapers and websites. So he's all set with it because there's more people to question him and scrutinize him over a longer period of time. I understand where he's coming from, and at age 72, I get the logic to it. Adam Schefter reported, though, that neither of those teams, that neither of those teams, the Eagles or the Cowboys, did any back-channeling or exploring on Belichick. So basically, Belichick essentially wants to minimize any talk with the media as possible. <laughs> and he wants the less pressure as possible. I mean, let's face it, it's a low yeah. low expectations. I mean, Atlanta, they're, they're in the NFC South. It's not, it's, yeah, it's not an absolute hotbed like it is. In mm-hmm. Dallas and, and Philly is under a total microscope seven days a week. So, smaller market, less pressure. Much worse division, I think. Oh, and if he fair. turns around the Falcons, yeah. he's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be like King Bill again if he turns around the Falcons. Whereas if he goes to the Eagles or Cowboys, he's expected to win already and expected to get to the Super Bowl. There's a lot less pressure in the last right. show. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, to me, I think this, I think this just kind of states that Belichick just wants to be in the league long enough to get the wins record from Don Shula, and then he'll call it a career. Yeah. You know, that's why – I think that's why you see him not even going to, uh, you know, know, staying away from big media markets like Dallas or Philly, where – I mean, let's face it. In two in two years, he could very simply he, he could he could very easily get that record in two to three or yeah. in, in at least two years with Dallas yeah. or Philly. But instead, he would rather he would rather go to a uh, to a smaller media market just so that just so that he doesn't have to deal with the bullshit that. Uh, you know, that he dealt with in New England uh, the last 24 years. He, he's always been a real pill. He's always been real abrasive and, like, pissy when it comes to the media. Yeah, uh, he, like, one-word answers and stuff. He does not like to go out of his way to color a pretty picture and really talk a lot to the media if he doesn't have to. He's very short and blunt. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's not the biggest fan of the media. That's for sure. Right. Right. Now, uh, you know, there are different uh, – obviously now the, 
The Patriots are now looking for often an offensive coordinator as well as a new defensive coordinator with obviously uh, Gerard Mayo being promoted to head coach. And, uh, you know, the one thing, the one thing I've noticed about Gerard Mayo, by the way, is that he's definitely a player's type of coach where in this new era of the NFL, you can't have a coach like Belichick, uh, you know, try to get a message out to younger players. You know, younger players have to be dealt with in a certain way compared to how veterans can be dealt with. You know, you have to have a coach who's willing to communicate on not just a football level, but also an emotional level. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, let's be honest, Belichick, emotional, yeah, no. That's, there's, that's there's nothing emotional about Belichick. No, nothing at all. So, uh, yeah. but apparently there are a few, you know, there are a few potential uh, offensive coordinators, uh, offensive coordinator candidates uh, that are available. Obviously, Bill O'Brien would have been one, but O'Brien is ha- has moved on officially to Ohio State. Uh Believe it or not, Josh McDaniels is still a potential candidate to return to New England, even though it won't be under Belichick. Keenan McCardle is another option, the Vikings wide receivers coach, who they originally interviewed last year uh, before they went with Bill O'Brien. Nick Cayley who was the member of the uh, Patriots offensive coaching staff for eight seasons before he joined the Rams as their tight ends coach. Uh, he was looked at uh, a number of times as a potential option for offensive coordinator, and they may revisit that. Uh, and also Shane Waldron, who is currently the Seahawks offensive coordinator. Uh, apparently, you know, he, he used to be uh, – a quality control and a tight ends coach for New England uh, before right. before 2010. Uh, there's a possibility that he may potentially return, uh, given his ties to New England, and also uh, his success running an offshoot uh, Kyle Shanahan Sean McVay system on his own. Um, which, by the way, that seems like the system that they still want to go with is the uh, the West Coast type of system. Right. <laughs> now, as far as defensive coordinator goes, I mean, there's always the possibility that, you know, Steve Belichick will return and, and stay as defensive coordinator. Uh, I do know that they've been interviewing a couple of people, including uh, the linebackers coach from Carolina uh, for their defensive coordinator position. Uh, They're set to interview uh, Mm -hmm. Christian Parker from the Broncos as well as Michael Hodges from the Saints for their defensive coordinator position. So... Uh, also, they they held an in-house interview uh, interviewing Demarcus Covington, who was 
I believe he was a defense. Yeah, he was the defensive line coach for the Patriots the last couple of seasons. Right. Uh, he has gotten an interview as well uh, for the potential defensive coordinator position. So, you know, there's still a few options out there for New England. But, uh, and also, according to, at least if if you read into uh, Mayo's comments at all, it sounds like they will be keeping that number three pick in the draft. Okay. So there's not going to be any worries about them trading down. Maybe they'll trade up, yeah. but from what it sounds like, it sounds like they will go either quarterback or they will go uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. if he's available. Mm. So, uh, needless to say, it, it, you know, it, it really seems like Gerard Mayo is looking to completely change the culture of the New England Patriots organization, considering what it was under Belichick, and almost sort of create his version of the Patriot way, so to speak. Which... You know, of course, that would probably – what it probably means is, you know, he he feels that it's from, – from, from what I, uh, I listened to on one of his interviews, uh, he feels that it's better for players to actually show emotion as opposed to, you know, the complete yes. stone-cold uh, stone type of personality that Belichick had there's, all those years. There's nothing wrong with showing emotion. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and Bill always looked very, like, upset and angry and, like, wet and cold. And it just yeah. became outdated and long past due for a change, I thought. I think Mayo, I think there's going to be new energy. It's a very, very it – was, it was about time that it happened. I really think it's going to be better for New England. And starting with a good draft. They have a great pick. They're on a better pastures right now, better horizons. Right. Oh, that is a horrible, or I shouldn't say horrible, but untimely uh, pass interference call against San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Third and 15, and I mean, that's definitely pass interference, but and it's, you can't be doing that when, when you have third and long. You can't be doing that. <laughs> and now, uh, I don't know where they'll be at the uh, what what yard line they'll be at, but they're going to be in primary uh, position, I think, for a potential. Oh yeah, nineteen yard line. Jesus. And what, I mean, Shanahan playing with three timeouts at midfield. He's not even trying to score before the half. Niners totally right doing something wide open. Crapping, Niners crapping out again after talking all year, talking big. They scored seven points. I love the Packers are looking better team. Touchdown. Niners wow. are the, the talk of champions um, of talking. The Niners are all talk. Shanahan's a guru. Seven points. I mean, who, seriously, who could have seen this? Who could have seen? Who could have seen Green Bay? 
actually being competitive with San Francisco, a team a team that had basically dominated opponents all season long for the most part. It's a screw. Oh, I mean, I'm, 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 man. I'm surprised right now. The fact, the fact that the Packers literally got in on the very last week of the season. A lot of people complaining about that call. They then beat Dallas, and now, I mean, granted, there's still plenty of time left in the second half here, but now they're making a game of it uh, with San Francisco. Yeah. Well, love's red hot. I mean, wow. So, and Purdy still looks pretty and, and it's worth noting, too, Debo Samuel is out for the remainder of the game with the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. That could be a huge loss. Huge. Because he yeah. is their offensive motor. Was. No, I mean he—he he is their offensive motor. So if <clears throat> I mean this could be, you know, once again we're starting to see. What was the one thing I said that uh, as long as that San Francisco offense stays healthy, yes, then uh, you know Brock Purdy looks like an elite quarterback. As soon as you take away one of his offensive weapons, right. all of a sudden he looks like just an average quarterback. But one bad call yeah. there was a murder and that's what that's what did it to him. I don't think that I Who don't think it Richard Sherman? Several punishments that he's a, you know he's a game manager. And that, oh my no 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 he's elite. Look at they scored, you know, three thousand points last week or whatever during the year. It's like no He's not an elite quarterback. He's just yeah. not. He's uh, J.J. McCarthy. Imagine that. Great, great offense, offensive line. You know, I, Debo, two awesome receivers, an awesome tight end, Kittle, the best running back in the cat. I mean, the guy's just got it made in the shape. And now, like you said, Debo's out. Let's see what he does in the second half. I mean, seven points is ridiculous. Love is, Love is severely outplaying him. In San Francisco, you know, on the road. Come on, Purdy, put up or shut up. I'm, I'm, the Niners are all talk during the, the year. There's a lot of teams now. The pack knocks them off, man. I don't want to hear anything more about the Niners for a while. Everyone's saying yeah, they're going to be I mean, now. That's a problem. All year, they're saying people are saying, "Oh, they're going to, you know, the, the definite Super Bowl." I thought it was. I th- probably thought it was going to be that way too, but it's just like. Now they're just in the biggest spot of all now. <laughs> they're losing to Green Bay, who, like Steve, like you said, they snuck into the playoffs. Like, come on, put up, time to put up or shut up, San Fran. Yeah. Although, to be fair, though, out of all the teams that snuck into the playoffs, Green Bay, I feel, has the, be- has the best. Uh... Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, you know they they have they have the best grouping out of all the teams that snuck into the playoffs. You're right, yeah, and they're so, all, I mean, they're all young I wouldn't and be full of confidence. 
I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm shocked. I mean, yeah, of course I'm. Sh- I would be shocked if if both Dallas and San Francisco fall, but I would be more shocked if if say Tampa Bay did this. Because Tampa yeah, Bay, you're under Baker Mayfield. You know, Tampa Bay, you're not going to get that same type of scoring output. I mean, of course, Philly. Philly was basically giving them the game the entire game, but no, you know, I mean, this was this was a team that this was a team that made it into the playoffs after scoring nine points. Wow. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. you know, Green yeah. Bay. Green Bay has just been a unit. The, yeah. The, yeah. This this last second half of the season. It's a classic, like any sport. They, they they're getting red hot at the right time. Yes. Entering the entering these right. games, they're they're flying high. And love looks great. By the way, speaking of a team that was turning it around, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, they are not making the same mistake they made last season or, or two yeah. seasons ago when they got rid of Rich Passaccia. Instead, they have officially finalized the deal to hire Antonio Pierce as their permanent head coach. Uh, Pierce drew the support of fans and players alike after he went 5-4 and four in his interim head coaching role for the Raiders. Matter of fact, Max Crosby, one of their star defenders, uh, threatened to uh, to demand a trade if they had to, if they had gone with anybody else at the at the head coaching spot. Uh, so I mean, they were three and five when Pierce took over, and they played far more inspired football. Uh, after yep. McDaniel's was let go, they went five and four under Antonio Pierce to finish at eight and nine. Well, then again, here we go. Christian McCaffrey answers yeah. for for uh, for the Forty ers You know that is yeah, that Pierce is one definitely. thing that you can that that you that you have wow. to account for as well. Is Christian McCaffrey is an absolute game breaker for any type of offense. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, yeah, Pierce, I mean, Pierce definitely deserves to retain that job. He beat the Chiefs. He had a couple of huge wins. He really turned around their season. So, good for him. Wow, what a run. Problem. The problem with the, with the Raiders is uh, this is their fourth head coach to be hired by them since 2015 after the whole John Gruden situation. Ducky. Now, he does bring with him years of defensive pedigree, uh, considering he was a former linebacker from 2001 to 2009. Uh, the Raiders do still need to secure a general manager. However, their head coach is now in place uh, with Antonio Pierce. Uh, Lou, what are, your, what are your thoughts, Lou, on the Raiders bringing back Antonio Pierce uh, instead of uh, – potentially repeating the same mistake they made with Rich Passaccia. Well, why do you think they do it? I mean, no one wants to see the same mistake again. I think that's going to be a great move, and, you know, I think that, you know, he's, he's looking for a job. You really want to go back to the way it was um, when it was on you? So um, I think that's going to be a positive move. 
Oh yeah, no, it's definitely a positive. It's definitely a positive for for the Raiders to, uh, you know, especially if this is a guy that the that the uh, players are behind. You know, yeah. you saw them play more inspired football under him, uh, going five and four uh, after he took over. You know, I, I kind of bring this back to Gerard Mayo with the Patriots. You know, it Both makes me wonder. Uh, it makes me wonder with certain players that may return next season for the Patriots. <laughs> you know, will they play more inspired football under Mayo compared to Belichick? I think they will play more inspired football. I mean, even even though these same players also praised Belichick, you know, for being the greatest uh, the greatest NFL head coach of all time, a legend, yada yada yada. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, you had players like Trent Brown, who were literally just walking around out there, you know, not even bothering to try and uh, not even bothering to try and play. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people, you know, really don't understand just exactly how bad it was this year in New England. Uh, oh. But you know, you know, perhaps maybe a coaching change like this. Uh, we saw what happened when when Vegas got rid of McDaniel's, and you know, Vegas completely turned things around uh, with Antonio Pierce. That. Yes. You know, maybe the same thing may happen here with Gerard Mayo and uh, and the Patriots. Yeah. Oh, we got to run. We have, oh, my God. Oh, my. Oh, he fumbled it. From Malaya. From Malusi. Oh, no. Oh, is that right? I think I think it may have been re- it may have been recovered by uh, by Green Bay at the 15 yard yeah. line. Yeah. Wow, what a what a sequence of events what here. Yeah, look where you are too. Yeah, it's dirty, no good. He reco- he he fumbled it right at the I, I think it was at the twenty five yard line yeah, of, uh, of San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he fumbles it at the twenty five and it looks like one of the uh, one of the members of the of the Packers uh, pounced on it. Yes. Yeah, number forty-five, Wilson. Looks like Wilson has a hold of it. Yep, there we go. So, first and ten at the twenty-yard line for for uh, for Jordan Love here to start off this, uh, and the Packers are already in field goal position. Can say that again, but this is a competitive game. You got like that. It is. It's a lot better than some of the other games last week. What better than my thought it was going to be? Uh, by the way, yeah. <clears throat> uh, coming off of one of last week's games, uh, according to Adam Schefter. Eagles center Jason Kelsey apparently told teammates that he is retiring after 13 NFL seasons. But, uh, Alex, according to what you said in whispers, uh, he apparently is on the fence now. 
Yeah, he's the heat of the moment. He said it's he, – he's kind of backtracking. He was really upset and uh, frustrated about the way the season ended, and then now he's kind of recanting his statement saying he's going to still take some time to think about it. And he also, I mean, whatever, I'm not to plug the – whatever. I know Kelsey gets all this airplay now with his brother, but uh, I, on their podcast, I guess, he also said he still hasn't made up his mind when he's on the podcast, too, with his, with his brother, right. Travis Swift. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping he sticks around another. I, I, he's such a warrior. He, but with all the, the grueling, uh, you know, tremendous amount of pressure that this sport has put on his body, you know, his wife wants him to retire because she doesn't want him to be, you know, crippled when he's 50 years old. But I think he wants to, he wants to right. come back for one more year. Just cause, I mean, come on, they were 10-1. They, they, they thought they were going to well, be playing know. in a game like this tonight. And to go out like they well, did, know, it's just, he doesn't want to be a grandfather in 20 years, 30 years gone. How, how, you know, he doesn't yeah. want to hang him up yet. He doesn't want to go out like this. So maybe one more year. Right. And we have a touchdown by Green Bay, and Green Bay has officially taken the lead as of now. I don't know if they'll go for the two-point or if they'll try to keep it, a, uh, if they'll just go yes, for the will. extra point here. They're going for two. Uh, Carlson's holding up two, so maybe it maybe it will be a two point conversion attempt. And in. But uh, you know, I, I will say if Kelsey, you know, Jason Kelsey, he was he was graded as the seventh best pass blocking center and fourth best in run blocking in the league. So he's still playing at a high level. You know. And I, th- yeah, I, I think exactly. it would be, I think it, it would be a huge, it would be a huge loss for he's Philadelphia he's if they were. Oh, wide open! I don't, I don't know, I don't know why San Francisco left the, left the right side wide open like that. Yeah. This vaunted, uh, this this such that a dominant defense. This this dominant defense all year is just getting lit up. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Kelsey, I really hope he sticks around. They drafted <laughs> Cam Jurgens. They're a guard right now, Steve. They drafted him second round uh, two, two drafts ago, but they really like him. He was an All-American. He was the best center in college football, apparently. Jurgens. he's been starting at right guard right. because Kelsey's still there. So he's going to be the successor. Once Kelsey retires, they're going to shift their guard, Jurgens over to center. Yeah. Um, you know, still got Malata and still got Lane Johnson. They still have a, 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 still my favorite part of the Eagles. They, they have a terrific offensive line. I'm hoping he hangs he, he hangs around one more season. Yeah, you know I, they're gonna make one more shot at it here. I just wish they were. Well, you know the one. Coach, thing, <laughs> I don't you like know, the, one thing, the one thing that makes me the one thing that makes me wonder, Alex, and I think we could get a very good uh, perspective as to where things may be headed if the, if if there isn't a decision made by the draft. I think if we see the Eagles go offensive lineman in the first round, uh, they have a first-round yeah. pick this year, right? Yeah, they do. I mean, yeah, they always love taking yeah. offensive so, linemen or, or defensive linemen. If they back-to-back take, drafts, they've taken, a defense, they've taken a defensive tackle from Georgia two years in a row. They always, they always since Andy Reid, they love taking either a D-line or an O-line. You know, 90% of the drafts, they start off with the, the big boys on either side of the ball. They, they always draft up front. Yeah, you know, if it we, see, if we see them take if we see them take an offensive lineman in the first round this year, 
that could signal yeah. that 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 Kelsey is probably retiring. Yeah, and I think everyone and their brothers thought how much they, you know, their defense was just getting shredded. Pathetic. Mm-hmm. They really need defensive help, but mm-hmm. if Kelsey goes, they got to draft a lineman too. Yeah, they got to rehaul that whole yeah, defense, man. That, that, was, that was embarrassing. The Bucks Baker looked like yeah, uh, Brady or you know Elway. Yeah, <laughs> Baker almost threw for a thousand yards against them. It's pitiful. Yeah, that's what that's what makes me think that maybe maybe perhaps uh, if they do go lineman uh, in the ver- in the first round in the draft, that that's probably what's happening. That Kelsey has probably told them that he is gonna that he's gonna hang them up. Yep. I mean, they're going to get, they're going to slide the other guy Jurgens over to center when he does, but he doesn't have another hole to fill. We'll see. Uh, they need a, you know, cornerbacks, safeties, their linebackers are awful. GM Rosen yeah. just like doesn't place a value on their linebackers, which is ridiculous. You know, it's like they have all these good defensive linemen and then, but then their secondary is terrible. It defeats the purpose because they can't cover right. anyone. <laughs> you can't right. cover anyone. The quarterback can throw it. So. You know, in one, in two seconds, it doesn't even give the chance. You know, it's like too much of a pass rush. But if the quarterback, if the guys are wide open, he doesn't need to be protected. He just gets rid of the ball, and someone's wide open because the coaching's awful, and they can't cover anyone. But they have all these high draft picks up front. These three hundred pound guys, it like nullifies that. So they really they got to just give the defense a facelift, and they need new coaching. They need a lot of help suddenly. They need not a lot of new changes in there. Uh, I wish they got rid of Sirianni, but maybe he's lasting another year. What a fall from grace! Yes. Oh, oh, by the way, nice we run. did we did have a few wow. uh, we did have a few injuries uh, this past uh, during the wild card round. Um, oh. In particular, uh, the Texans had to place Noah Brown on injured reserve with a back injury officially ending his season. Uh, I mean, he looked like he was on the verge of a breakout campaign before injuries had derailed much of his second half of the season. Yeah. And it looks like he basically, uh, he basically got shut down. It appears uh, towards the end of the, towards the end of his season. Uh, So they were playing without him today against the Ravens. Also, uh, if the L.A. Rams had advanced, they would have been playing the rest of the way without Tyler Higby, their star tight end, who suffered right. a torn ACL in their loss to the Lions. So either way, you know, they would have, they probably would have been, it, it wouldn't have been a competitive game, I don't think, depending on who they would have faced. Uh, if Probably. it would have been San Francisco or if it would have been Detroit – or not Detroit, uh, Tampa. It probably would have been San Francisco, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Also, in, as as far as injury news goes, uh, Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski has reiterated that Deshaun Watson remains the team's starting quarterback heading into the, heading into the offseason. So that basically means Joe Flacco looks like you're one and done. Uh, you're, although I assume you know if there's any teams that are looking for a veteran quarterback, I would assume Joe Flacco would be at the top of the list. Absolutely, man. Really resurrected his career. 
that's a shame too. I mean, yeah, Deshaun Watson. Everyone knows they they should keep Flacco. I think. And then, but hey, yeah. they paid you know Deshaun Watson a couple hundred million dollars, and he looks like a fraud. Right. Plus, with his checkered background, it's like they're they're stuck with Watson. So that's a shame. Flacco. Uh, yeah. Hey, man. Maybe Flacco for a year or two in, uh, with Mr. Belichick in uh, Atlanta. Who knows? Yeah, and, you know, another name another name that has been brought up as well for Atlanta is Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins that, so has been nice. brought up. Uh, matter of fact, Purdy, what the uh, he was asked – he was he was asked about potentially playing for Belichick, and he said that would be a situation that he could not pass up. So yeah, I saw that. I wouldn't be surprised at all if if Belichick goes to Atlanta. Don't be surprised if uh, if Kirk Cousins ends up being his starting quarterback. Right. Is Kirk right Cousins Atlanta already? Mm-hmm. No. He's a free agent. Uh, Kirk Cousins is dealing with uh, he's dealing with rehab right now. Uh, he had been with the Minnesota Vikings the last couple of years, but he ended the season on injured reserve. So uh, he is set to be a free agent this off season, which is why the talk about him potentially joining Belichick is uh, is coming up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right there. I mean, you guys saw that? I mean, Kyle Purdy just – guys wide open just overthrows him. I, I don't know. Yeah, that was like that was Purdy, a Mac Purdy. Jones-like throw. That, that I mean, was a Mac jo- – I, I was expecting Green Bay to uh, – I was expecting Green Bay to intercept <laughs> that and potentially make, yeah. a, uh, make a bit of a run going back. I mean, that – no joke, that looked like a Mac Jones-type overthrow. Where yep, you know, some for some reason Green Bay's defense was just not there to make the interception. You're right, that's huge. Debo's out. Man. He's not returning. Aaron Jones Aaron Rodgers left. <laughs> well, I mean Obviously, you know they they felt they felt good enough with uh, with Jordan Love at quarterback uh, to allow Aaron Rodgers to leave like he did. So, and I mean, come on, j- just take a, just take a look at what Jordan Love did this season and what he's done so far in this playoff. You know, he has Green Bay right now in position to pull off a second straight upset in the playoffs here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I agree with a lot of the, a lot of the big, uh, the big football guys that you see on uh, that you see on Sports Center and whatnot, and on, uh, you know, like on on Skip Bayless's show and everything, talking about Jordan Love. Yeah. Jordan Love yeah. is the real deal. Jordan Love is the real deal for uh, yeah. for Green Bay here. I mean, come on. The guy, the guy threw a, a a perfect passer rating, which I believe they said is the first time it's happened in a playoff game. Yes. That uh, that a quarterback has thrown a perfect passer rating. Uh, I thought the Niners defense so, was going to 
be able to stifle them <laughs> in the night, you know? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, he's red hot. He's really on the team. The Packers are the youngers. Right now the Packers are. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I just yeah, got confirmation are... that – I just got confirmation 1045. I got to go because uh, okay. other, other business has just come up. All right. Well, the uh, the Packers are up twenty one fourteen right now. Um, let's move over to the NHL for a little bit because uh, we do have some sort of breaking news. Uh, it was announced earlier today. Uh, the president of hockey operations and general manager for the New York Islanders, Lou Lamorello, officially announced that Lane Lambert has been relieved of his coaching responsibilities for wow. the New York Islanders. Instead, NHL legend, NHL legend Patrick Waugh will officially assume the title of head coach of the New York Islanders uh, in, Lambert's, uh, uh, in Lambert's absence. Patrick Waugh, for those who are unaware of who he is, uh, Stanley Cup winning goaltender with the Colorado oh. Avalanche, uh, he also coached the Colorado Avalanche for three seasons, uh, making one playoff appearance in those three seasons. And, uh, you know, the thing that's kind of surprising to me is Lane Lambert, the Islanders made the playoffs with Lambert last year, and they were 15, or they were 19, 15, and 11. They were in the playoff race. Before uh, before yeah. he ended up getting uh, before you know he en- he ended up getting fired today. Mm-hmm. Then why he get fired if they were in the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. You're right; it doesn't make sense. Uh, but I, you know, I guess apparently they felt that uh, you know that they needed a new voice. Uh, they needed a new voice speaking, uh, you know, trying to get the team. Because right now they're only one point behind. Well, let me see. Okay, four and five. So right now in the playoff race for the uh, for the Eastern Conference, the, the the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Detroit Red Wings uh, occupy the wild card spots at 52 and 51 points. So they were at most three points out of a playoff spot, at least two points out, depending on which playoff spot we're talking about. So there's three teams – actually, there's four teams within four points in the Eastern Conference of a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Where are the teams? And the New York Islanders are among them. I'm afraid so. Where are the Which makes it all the more surprising. Yeah. Where are the teams? Uh, the Washington Capitals, the New Jersey Devils, the New York Islanders, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, okay. As, uh, Washington, yeah. Washington has 50 points. Uh, New Jersey has 49, same with the Islanders, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have 48. 
Mm-hmm. So it's still, I mean, it's still anybody's race, honestly, for the wild card, but it's, it's kind of surprising. Maybe perhaps they feel that bringing in a veteran like Patrick Waugh will yeah. allow them to maybe get, because, you know, pa- Patrick Waugh has obviously, you know, he had so much playoff experience as a player. Uh, bet- bet- bleh, between both the Montreal Canadiens and the Colorado Avalanche, that maybe perhaps, uh, you know, may- maybe perhaps bringing him in could kind of provide a jolt to this Islanders organization. But in my yeah, opinion, but- you combine – you combine Patrick Watt with Lou Lamorello, and this is like a ticking time bomb waiting to blow up. Yes. Lou Lamorello. Opinion. I mean, is Lou Lamorello a good coach? Uh, no, yeah. he's a uh, he 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 he's not a coach. He's the uh, he's the uh, president uh, of hockey operations. He's the general right. manager. He does that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I I would say he is. You know, he's actually mm-hmm. he's actually made quite a few uh, quite a few moves. It's like it's almost like every single off season, Lou Lamorello always has something up his sleeve, and you just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And what but it seems like he always, and also not to mention he's a former New Jersey Devils head coach too. I know that. Uh, for I know that. But you know he, it, it, it seems like he always has something up his sleeve. I mean, come on, the guy is a three-time Stanley Cup champion uh, yeah. as an executive, winning, uh, winning in ninety in ninety four, ninety five, ninety nine, two thousand, and two thousand two, two thousand three. So, you know, clearly. He he always he always has something up his sleeve, and normally he doesn't make a move unless there's some sort of specific planning behind it. Mm-hmm. And okay. I mean, uh, he uh, just for example when they when they got when they got Bo Horvat uh, last off season. When they got when they got Bo Horvat, it came out of nowhere. But uh, basically, Lou Lamorello had kind of leaked it out a little bit to some of his media sources that Lou was working on something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. lo and behold, he pops up a huge ass trade to bring in Bo Horvat from uh, from Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's definitely – I would keep an eye on the Islanders because he doesn't make yeah. a decision like this midseason unless there's, you know, uh, unless there's something behind it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Uh, but, Alex uh, – What's you're officially you're officially back on. I I assume you just got disconnected. Yeah, yeah. I like Patrick Roy, man. He was a legend, uh, not only with Avs but he's with uh, the the Canadians, one of the best goalies of all time. So 
good move. And, uh, yeah, there's always usually one that's winning team makes a change. There's something internally behind closed doors in the locker room going on or upstairs too. So I'm sure we'll learn more about it in the coming weeks. Oh yeah. I just, I just, you know, I just found it odd that they would suddenly move on from Lane Lambert like they did, even though technically they're in a playoff spot or they're in the playoff race right now. Yeah, totally. So there's gotta be something going on behind the scenes that we don't, that we're not privy that we don't know yet. Yeah. Cause that's right. Normally you wouldn't see a good a team making good strides suddenly changing coach pretty radical so there's got to be something going on behind the scenes right maybe he saw uh, a favor had maybe his button heads with maybe his button heads with someone we'll see but look at looking at the uh look looking at the playoff picture right now as it stands in the nhl uh the eastern conference in the atlantic division you have the boston bruins on top with 65 points 28 8 and 9 record uh, in second place, you have the Florida Panthers with a 27-14-4 record for 58 points. Uh, and the Tampa Bay Lightning in third for 24-17-5 with 53 points. Those are the three guaranteed playoff spots in the Atlantic Division. And right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs at 22-14-8 for 52 points. And the Detroit Red Wings at twenty three seventeen and five for fifty one points. They occupy the two wild card spots as of now. So, right now, five playoff teams in the Eastern Conference are coming from the Atlantic Division. Uh, over in the Metropolitan Division, you have the New York Rangers on top, twenty eight wins, fourteen losses, two overtime losses, uh, with fifty eight points. A surprising Philadelphia Flyers in second with with a 25-15-6 record. And, by the way, they just outshot uh, Dallas uh, a couple games ago, or I think it was yesterday. I think it was like 45-13 to or something Uh that they outshot Dallas and got uh, yeah. they ended up putting up five goals on uh, on their star goaltender J- uh, Jake Ottinger. Uh, Philadelphia, it, it looks like they're the real deal this year. Um, in particular for the, with the uh, Metropolitan Division and the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, they are in third place right now in the Metropolitan at twenty five fourteen and five for fifty five points. And as I said earlier, the Washington Capitals, New Jersey Devils, New York Islanders, and Pittsburgh Penguins are still in the playoff race, uh, about three to four points out of a wild card spot. Oh, I hope the Devils get a wild card spot. Well, there is a po- there is a possibility that they could. Uh, as far as the goal differential goes, oh, really? uh, they have they have the least negative goal differential out of the four teams. Um, as they have a minus they have a minus four right now when it comes to goal differential. Uh, the only difference is the Pittsburgh Penguins, despite being uh, ranked seventh in the Metropolitan Division with 48 points, they have a goal differential of plus 16. So in their case, it's just been a, it's just been a, a bad, you know, bad nights of good goaltending, but horrible offense. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Over in the Western Conference, we have uh, first for the Central Division, the Winnipeg Jets are on top, 30-10-4 record for 64 points. Yeah. Just behind them are the Colorado Avalanche at 30, 14, and 3 with 63 points. And the Dallas Stars are in third with 27, 13, and 5 record, good for 59 points. And as far as the Pacific Division goes, the Vancouver Canucks are the kings of the Pacific Division uh, with a, a, a random season surge with a 31-11-4 record, good for 66 points, uh, overtaking the Vegas Golden Knights, who sit at 26-14-5, good for 57 points. Wow. 52 yards. Forget it. You'll never make this. Who are you talking to? You got it? Who's winning this game? Packers by four, but San Francisco just made a 52-yard field goal. Oh, okay. Okay. I goofed. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the Edmonton Oilers, 25-15 and one with 51 points. Um, and right now, in terms of who is in a wild card spot, uh, right now, the two wild card spots are occupied. Number one, the LA Kings, a 21-13 and eight record, good for 50 points. And we have a three-way tie for the second wild card spot between the Calgary Flames, the Seattle Kraken, and the Arizona Coyotes. Wait a minute. No, never mind. Never mind. Uh, Actually, the two wild card spots go to the Nashville Predators with a 25-20 and one record, and the LA Kings with a 21-13 and eight record. Which would be good for good for both playoff spots too, uh, so far. Um, let me see. <coughs> uh, elsewhere in the National Hockey League, William Nylander has signed an eight-year extension worth $92 million with the Toronto Maple Leafs. A full no-movement clause is included in the deal. And honestly, I mean, the in all honesty, this type of move kind of feels like it's going to kind of handcuff the Toronto Maple Leafs a little bit here. When you think yeah. about well, it, considering the fact that this is the third big contract that they're dealing with here, uh, already giving big money to Austin Matthews, uh, giving big money to John Tavares, and now – you're giving big money here to William Nylander. So, 
I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Well, what what are your what are your thoughts, uh, Lou, on William Nylander basically getting uh, the same amount of this is basically close to the same amount of money that David Pasternak is getting right now with yeah. the Boston Bruins. Uh, even though you know both both players are putting up similar numbers, but if anything, I believe Pasternak has slightly better numbers. But yeah. what kind of impact might this have on the on the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs as a whole when it comes to? I mean, you got to think of the salary cap and everything. Yeah, I do. I mean, could yeah, could yeah, this cause them? Could this cause them to potentially uh, look at at potentially having to make a couple of moves? Uh, eventually, I think I had to make a couple of moves at that, at that point. That kind of a style, that kind of a deal, uh, pretty, it's a pretty big one. On um, that note, I must leave because I just got called into another um, other business. I'll be back next week, though. You guys are late. Good night. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go All too. Right. Bye. <laughs> All right, Lou and Diane. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it just Alex, like that. What, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, Alex, on uh, on William Nylander getting this type of deal and having having this having basically a third big contract on the books here for for Toronto? What impact might this have on them moving forward? Considering the fact that you know they have to adhere to a salary cap, so. Sometimes you got to overpay. He's a really important, you know, instrumental piece of their chemistry and their nucleus, and he's an awesome, incredible player. So, you know, it's the classic, damned if you do, damned if you don't. If they're not going to give him that extra money, someone else is going to. So they felt like they had to pay uh, a little higher than, you know, a longer contract and greater amount of money. Uh, you know, hopefully he sustains the success and makes it worthwhile. But, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty penny. It's a lot of money. It's it's going to make it a little bit more needed for creative maneuvering. They're going to have to hit on the draft picks, and some of the lower end salaries, you know, really have to pan out for them to to you know have good depth. Because now it's a top heavy star, you know, star studded, you know, that nucleus, those, that trio of really huge contracts really limits their ability to fill out the roster at a top level. So it's 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 very risky, but they're locking up one of the you know. A, a very, very, you know, prime player for them. So it's a little bit good, a little bit. It's it's a risky move. They paid they paid a lot of money, but you know they obviously think it's worth it. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, when, when it, it, obviously when you're when you're building a team, you know, it's definitely something that you have to keep an eye, that you have to keep an eye on. Because obviously, with let, let me take a look real quick, actually, at what their uh, what their contract situation looks like here.
Diva Masona to uh, land on the Niners. So try not to spoil, be a spoiler at all. I know you're not trying to, but I'm like 30 seconds behind no, the I'm Niners not, game. <laughs> I, I'm at I'm second, second and six right now. I'm not at I'm I'm coming out of a commercial. So I'm I'm like oh. I'm like a minute or two behind you. I'm just saying I'm on a uh, a laptop in the I'm on a laptop in the kitchen. I'm um creatively watching it another way. <laughs> right. Okay, so you know, ju- just looking at the contracts right now. They have William Nylander under contract until 2032. At eleven and a half million yep. per year, they have John Tavares and Mitchell Marner both under contract until twenty twenty five for about eleven million. So they basically have one more year each on on both of their deals. Uh, they're giving out thirteen uh, thirteen and a quarter million to uh, Austin Matthews. On his on his new deal, so that that's four players that they're already giving out double digits to uh, in terms of millions of dollars. Wow, yeah, they're paying a ton to their core. So yeah, it just makes it all the more important. I mean, every good team has really good young players and role players that don't make a ton of money to fill out. Uh, you know, depth is everything, especially in hockey. You got to have depth. Um. But yeah, as long as they hit on the draft picks and have younger guys coming up through the minors that aren't younger guys coming up through the minors that aren't on those huge contracts, they they could be okay. It's just makes right. their ability to draft well and and develop younger players all the more important because they're they're already allotting a lot of their cap space to to just a few select people. So it's a really risky move. But I mean, it's pretty cool to have to have that that nucleus locked up like that is pretty powerful too. The double-edged sword. It could be. It could be really good. It, it could blow up in their face too. It's risky. And plus, the thing is, you have to take a look at. You have to take a look at some of the other deals that they have on their roster. Uh, the fact that you have you're giving six and a quarter million to Matt Murray as your starting goaltender. Uh, yeah. You know, normally you give that type of money to elite goaltenders. Uh, off the bat, you give that money to a, to elite type goaltenders. You're giving seven and a half million to your top defenseman per year uh, until 2030 in Morgan Riley. You're giving 5.6 million to your second best defenseman and five million to your third best defenseman, plus four million to your fourth best. So basically, for your top four. You're paying about twenty-one million dollars per year yeah. to your top four defensemen. Top heavy roster, yeah. They're they're so they just really need to be able to get a lot of the lesser paid guys to make it to make it you know kind of balance out. Yeah, it it just it just seems very random, you know, that you know, obviously you have all you have all this uh you have your top four offensive guys locked up, you have your top four defense locked up. But the problem is now you have basically 
you have only a little amount of money to spread out amongst your others. Like they, they're giving three and a half million right now to their backup goaltender. You're giving about. Then again, I'd have to see what the lines look like, but you're giving about five and a half million to Tyler Bertuzzi on your second line, but he's going to be a free agent this year. Uh, you know, it's like. Let me see what. Let me see where they are actually in terms of up against the cap. They are. It uh, doesn't really say. Doesn't really say how much cap space they have. Uh, actually, yeah, okay. They have about like two million dollars in cap space right now. So it's you know it's just it's it's just insane. <coughs> They're gonna need production from guys that are making nearly as much to, to come up from through the ranks and fill out the roster. Very top heavy. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, go- going over to the NBA, we have a huge trade to to discuss here. Uh, the Indiana Pacers acquired Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors in exchange for NBA champion Bruce Brown, uh, as well as Jordan Nawara and three future first round picks. I'll tell you one thing. Toronto, Toronto, they probably got the best package that they could have gotten, especially considering the fact that Pascal Siakam was not willing to sign an extension with many teams. Indiana is one of those teams that he's willing to sign one with. Yeah, Toronto's made a lot of two big moves. I love the, uh, I loved how the Knicks got OG and an He's really taking them to a they're they're contender now in the East, I think, with him, lockdown defender. And then um, yeah, the the Raptors are just trying to get a little younger. Um, now they hand the keys over to Scotty Barnes to run the Raptors, and I like what the Raptors got. Not to not to sidetrack off Siakam, but their first trade with Ananobi, they got uh, quickly who can now start. Obviously, quickly was stuck behind Brunson in New York. Now quickly is leading the way as a point guard for the Raptors and RJ Barrett's from Canada. So it's pretty cool. That was a pretty cool swap for both teams. Both, I think both the Knicks and the Raptors kind of got better there. Uh, and then Siakam was just, I think the Raptors just looking to get younger. Um, they got what three number one picks. Yeah. And the Pacers now, I mean, that, the Pacers, you have Halliburton and uh, Siakam and obviously Miles Turner, Buddy Held. They got a nice team. Pacers are, I think the Pacers and the Knicks are going to give Boston a little. I'm not going to say they're going to knock them off, but those are two teams that got a lot better, both both the uh, Pacers and the Knicks with these two trades. Yeah, getting younger, uh, especially for for a guy or or, you know for 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 a uh, franchise that's trying to build around Tyrese Halliburton, uh, the Pacers. I mean, they basically the, – this is the perfect guy to compliment Halliburton, especially um, 
especially considering that this also addresses a clear need for for Indiana, who's trying to become a legitimate contender. Uh, you know, giving up three future first round picks. I mean, yeah, that is kind of steep, but to be fair, you know, this is the best that Indiana has looked in quite some time. So it it seems to me like Indiana is basically going to want to capitalize on as much, uh, on as much of a chance as they possibly have big play coming up by the way. So just letting you know about that. Yeah. Um, I checked my phone. Jesus. <laughs> hence, hence my yeah. uh, hence my random change in volume there. I might take a message, by the way. <laughs> so I'm a little harsh on the night. It's ridiculous, though. Niners, all that talk. Hold them to a field goal, tied up late, overtime. We'll see if they can do that. Purdy is just throwing some whipple balls out there. He's throwing beach balls. I mean, Purdy's missed two or three or four wide-open guys. And Love's just, Love's just looks a lot better. No, you're right, Steve. I mean, yeah, the Pacers are absolutely they're they're very dangerous now. It could be it could be Pacers Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals for sure. Wow. <laughs> Niners are just dumped right now. Yeah, I'm just uh, watching that last run. Um, Green Bay—they're—they're they're getting a whole bunch. They're getting a whole bunch—a whole bunch of uh, of running space. Big bad, big bad Niner defense can hold them. Keep them at bay here. From Green Bay, I go go for the juggler. Go for a knockout and try to. Try to score a deep touchdown here. Go up eleven. Yeah. Uh, now, as don't, far as as far as Seattle goes goal. as well, as as far as Seattle yeah. goes as well. Uh, another thing, another thing to keep in mind for Toronto is, you know, Toronto's in the middle of a rebuild right now. Uh, but honestly, this, this package, if anything, is them basically admitting that they should have traded Fred Van Bleet at the deadline, uh, last season when yeah, they chose not to. Yeah, was a bunch of picks. Niners defense, totally fraudulent, showing up so small in the biggest spot of all in this game. I don't want to hear any more Niners talk. <laughs> Back to Siakam. Um. Yeah, they had to get younger. And now they have Scotty Barnes, quickly young. R.J. Barrett from Canada, he's very young, former top three pick. Scotty Barnes is awesome. He's one of the best young players. And Scotty Barnes kind of played Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench, too. Yeah, and Barnes is very similar to Siakam. So they kind of clean – it lets Barnes really take over that that team offensively, like they handle the ball a lot more. Toronto's got a good young core now. So it was was kind of a good, good, good move for them, too. Kind of rebuild the roster a little bit. Uh, also in the NBA, Eric Spolstra has signed a long-term extension to continue to be the head coach of the Heat. Uh, he had previously made the list as one of the league's 15 greatest coaches back in February of 2022. And since then, he's had two Eastern Conference Finals appearances and an NBA Finals appearance since. 
Uh, he's coached Miami since the 2008 season when he took over from Pat Riley. And uh, likely now it, it kind of seems like he's in the driver's seat when it comes to coaching uh, for as long as he wants. You know, he, he it, it kind of seems like he will be the one to make the decision when he's done with Miami. Uh, yeah. Right now, it says that the extension is worth is five years and worth over ten million dollars annually. Yes, Pat Riley's understudy is protege, and he coaches that way. And it's the Heat culture. You know, everyone works hard, and if you don't play defense, you're not playing. You're not getting playing time, or they're not drafting you or trading for you. They they want unselfish players that share the ball and work hard and play defense and hustle. It's the Heat culture. So. Bolster's awesome. You remember that, Steve. I mean, we've talked about it before. He started as, like, the video guy. You know, he was probably making, you know, peanuts compared to all, all the other coaches. And he was working seven days a week for Riley behind the scenes and then got promoted, kept working his way up the ranks, and now look where he is. He's one of the best there is. It's a good story. Heck of a coach. Oh, Definitely. Um, let's see. Also with the, uh, I just thought that I thought a miss another blown opportunity. (laughs) This game is pretty, this is darn, this is good. It's a good one. Uh, let's see. Desmond Bain of the Memphis Grizzlies, he's been diagnosed with a grade three left ankle sprain, and he will miss uh, reportedly at least six weeks of action, according to ESPN's Tim McMahon. And, you know, it's bad enough that this team has already lost John Morant for the, uh, you know, John Morant for the season. They, uh, apparently they're down Marcus Smart again. Marcus and Martin, he's out all year. They've, they've lost four out of five starters. Their only starter remains is, uh, Jer- Jared Jackson. Yeah, Bain yeah. is awesome. It's, uh, yeah, 80% of their starting lineup is gone. It's just when it rains, it pours. And they're still playing hard. They have guys coming up that are that are doing really well. Gigi Jackson, Vince Williams. They have some different guys that are really playing well. Aldama, um, I don't know, random, I'm, I'm – Quickly trying to learn all the names. It's, it's amazing. They're, they're well coached. They're, they're a well run team. I forget who they beat. They beat a couple of them this week with, despite all those injuries. But yeah, that's just yeah, crucial. It's that's, amazing. That's a brutal loss. Yeah, they're really trucking. This. They're working hard, man. It's admirable effort. They're just decimated by injuries. Uh, hang on a second. Uh, Desmond Bain's an awesome player. That guy's really tough, just a badass player. He plays D, he shoots threes, he hustles at all times. He's a really good player. Yeah, kind of you know, it, this, is, this is just another, another, another significant loss for uh, Memphis. That's another, they're, they're like Miami, man. They all play hard, they all play defense, they all have that same identity. All their players are just rugged. 
blue collar. They're a good, a good franchise. Right. Tough to see with all these injuries. I know Jim's a huge fan of theirs. It's tough. They're just decimated by injuries. This is just insane. As far as NBA, it's the worst injury, rash of injuries I've ever seen, where just literally the whole starting lineup except one guy is gone. Uh, there's also, speaking of injuries, uh, another guy who is out for the foreseeable future, Chris Paul, uh, will be sidelined for the next four to six weeks uh, with a fractured left hand. You know, as if Golden State was uh, was already suffering enough uh, with their yep. with their uh, with their uh, you know their journey to the to try and stay above 500, to try and stay at 500 or above 500. And, you know, now they've lost a, a veteran like Chris Paul for the first, for the foreseeable future. Um, I mean, going uh, yeah, the, granted they got, they got Draymond Green back uh, from his suspension, which lasted only 12 games. And apparently uh, he threatened <laughs> to retire Apparently, yeah. He, he basically let let Adam Silver know. He let the commissioner know, like, oh, I feel like I'm ready to return. Adam's like, go for it, Draymond. What a joke. They just like talked about it, and then Draymond's like, all right, I'll come back. Really hard, really tough punishment. No, I mean Golden State. But man. look at Draymond's them, drama I mean, caught up to them. And then in Clay Thompson, I keep saying it, but he's 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 totally washed up, unfortunately. He, Steph's Steph's like trying to do it by himself, man. Golden State's not a playoff team anymore. They're just not they, – they've missed on those drafts. Yeah, 18, 18 and 22, I mean – But it's just, that's the one Blazers shining moment right now. They have the, from all those crazy trades, they got the uh, Warriors' number one pick coming up next draft. Yeah, thanks to the uh, thanks to the Boston trade. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's one good thing they got out of the Jaru heist. Yep. But, yeah, Golden State's just going down, man. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the hell is going on with uh, with Golden State, but it just seems like, <clears throat> you know, they tried to they tried to they tried to run it back by bringing back Gary Payton, uh, uh, Gary Payton Jr. and yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's almost it's almost like uh, that same formula that worked for them previously isn't working now all of a sudden. You know, it's, it's yeah, almost like not. they're the team that's refusing to move forward, basically. You know what I mean? Like, the like, they, like, like, like they, they, they won't acknowledge that, that that era has passed and it's time to, you know, it's, it's time to, to essentially to essentially move on and prepare for playing this era of the NBA. Yeah. Well, Draymond and age and injuries have caught up to Draymond play, uh, and and Draymond's more drama with more injuries. He's not as effective, and it's just yeah they 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 try to run it back. We've debated a lot about it, and they're just getting older, and all those the. From Kaminga to Moses Moody, he hasn't done much at all. And James Wiseman, their top pick, they traded him for nothing. They really whiffed on a couple of huge lottery picks recently. So they really don't have a lot of young talent to come up and help out the older guys. 
So they're just kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah, like what are they? They're three or four games under 500 going nowhere fast, and they're old. And they have no number one pick. Right. I mean, it's just I, – I, 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 I honestly, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on with them now all of a sudden. You know, it's like – it just it just doesn't even look like the same team that beat the Boston Celtics like they did. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of years ago. I think Father Tom just Father Tom caught up to him, and Draymond. I think yeah. he's just rubbing people the wrong way. He's kind of his act is old, and just they're not the Warriors they used to be. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, now we did have a we did have a a little minor trade that went down as well. Uh, the Detroit Pistons traded Marvin Bagley uh, along with Isaiah Livers and two second-round picks to the Washington Wizards in exchange for Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala. Uh, Detroit apparently had to add two second-rounders in order to move two young players for two aging veterans, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, but (laughs) whatever, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, for, for a team that's horrible, that's as horrible <laughs> as Detroit, why the hell would you move on from two young players? They can't even just tie their shoes correctly. Detroit just literally every year they drop they drop guys that can't shoot outside. Like Ivy, Cade Cunningham, who the hell's the other guy? Austin Thompson. Yeah, and then they just, they, they're just they not developing guys properly. I feel bad for Monty Williams. Detroit and Washington are just they're just pitiful franchises at this point, unfortunately. And and Marvin Bagley is just a bust from Duke. He's been he's been passed around like a rag doll. He's that's like his fourth team, I think. Yeah, it bust. just makes no sense whatsoever though, why they would move on from young talent and instead and, and instead bring in two aging veterans that it's not like they're a playoff team. You know, it's not like they're a playoff team or they're aspiring for the playoffs. No. Maybe they're aspiring for so makes... Gallinari. Maybe they're aspiring yeah, to but... get rid of that, that money. Oh, yeah, that could I mean, be. Bagley, yeah. You're right. Yeah, that might be it. And then Bagley's just been a bust. I mean, he just can't really stay anywhere he goes. They, they want to get rid of him. So, but, yeah, both teams need a – really change their ways. They're both those are probably the two worst teams right now in the league, I would think. Right. Just just as far as rosters go. Detroit was up uh, like forty the other night. They they lost. They they went on like a the I think the T Bulls went on like a forty to three run on them. <laughs> the Pistons right. were winning by like twenty seven points the other night. They lost. Like, dude, even if you like you give it to them, they can't win. They can't hold on to win. Yeah. Uh, going over to MLB news, uh, the Houston Astros have come to an agreement with the best closer on the market, Josh Hader, on a five-year, $95 million contract uh, as he takes over as Houston's primary closer, turning Ryan Presley into a setup man now. Ryan Presley, who had been Houston's number one number one closer for the last however many years, ooh, this may be a 
big mistake by San Francisco potentially here. Are they going for two? Or what? Oh, don't tell me. No, no, but they, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, I, no I, they're I, not. It's not. It's not that, but it's. There's still time remaining on the clock. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sorry. You know, next, they're, next they're, week I won't be on a delay. Next week I won't be on a delay. I'm sorry. It's, it's, oh, yeah, it's that's third and right. one forgot, for me. I forgot you're on a delay, but they just scored. They just scored a touchdown, and problem is there's still time on the clock. Yeah. There's still a minute seven seconds left, so I mean Green Bay could easily get into field goal position. Yeah. But then again, Matt Lafleur does. Matt Lafleur has zero confidence in his kicker whatsoever. So um, I always, I don't know about you, man. I always, it's just like when you're when you're losing and it's that close, just make sure you score. Don't you know what I mean? Don't play games and try to manipulate. <laughs> and score, the, the, don't manipulate. Don't have smarter born and say well, we got to wind the clock all the way down. I'd rather be safe and right. make sure my team scores to take the lead. I don't know what your right. idea is on that, but I, I just you know what I mean because you don't want to squander the chance and get get cocky like oh let's score with two seconds left. If something happens, you know you're haunted by that memory. <laughs> you gotta you gotta get the yeah, get in the end zone true. while you can. Get in the end zone while you can, and then just yeah the the clock the the, the time management could have been better there. So you are correct there. It's just McCaffrey's awesome. And once he gets in, it's like just get, let him get in. Yeah, yeah. He could have he could have gone down. Uh, like, if I'm watching the replay right now, he could have gone down at like the one inch. Uh, but imagine if they get stuck somehow. Right. You never that's know. That's true. Get get in when you can. Uh, now the signing of Josh Hader is significant here because I believe this is off. They did this that Kendall Graveman will be out for the season, for next season, after undergoing right shoulder surgery. So I think they did this to ultimately replace Graveman. But it's funny, considering that Graveman, you know, Graveman was basically the high-leverage specialist for the Astros. Now Ryan Presley becomes the setup guy, and Josh Hader becomes the closer. Which, I mean, come on. He had, a, he had an ERA of 1.28 last year for the Padres in 33 saves. So Yeah, he's a great pitcher. I mean, obviously, it's the With that money. choice for the Astros. Yeah, definitely. Also, around the league, uh, the Blue Jays, they have agreed to terms on a four-year, $32 million deal with Cuban right-hander Yariel Rodriguez. Uh, it looks like he will likely be uh, a weapon out of the bullpen uh, after he posted a microscopic 1.15 ERA over 54 and two-thirds innings for the Chunichi Dragons in Japan's professional baseball league. Uh, Where did he sign, Steve? Where did he, who did he sign with? Blue Jays? Uh, the Blue Jays, yeah. Gotcha. Yet another, yet another Red Sox, uh, another Red Sox target uh, being signed by another team. Yeah, it's like the Mets and the Red Sox. They always just, they just say, "Well, we tried." It's like, yeah, you Google them, or you <laughs> send a love letter to them. You didn't really try. I mean, well, how did you really try to get? Well, we'll never know. But it's, it's their way to save face and damage control. Oh yeah, we tried. 
Yeah, you might have offered him like a thousand dollars. Who knows if they really tried? Well, it's Mets funny, but let me let me bring let me bring the Mets up. The Mets, the Mets have been pulling that bullshit too, where it's just PR stunt. They're just trying to save their face. Yeah, I mean, let, let me bring this up though. Since, since you brought that point up, Boston within the span of forty-eight hours. The first time they are the first the first statement that they put out, they said, "Oh, there's no, you know, we don't have a limit, so to speak, of how much money that we will spend." Uh, and it all depends on what Craig Breslow is able to line up. And now, literally forty-eight, not even forty-eight hours later, at at Red Sox winter weekend uh, last night, they basically said, they basically stated to the media, "Oh yeah, we uh, we expect our payroll to be to be uh, significantly less than last year." <laughs> so weak. Playing games. Total, total so basically, what you're t- so ba- basically you're playing games with the fans. You're playing games with uh, you're you're basically just. I, I don't know. I'm honestly, I, I, I'm I'm running out of words for this for this Red Sox. Yeah, team right the diehard fans, the diehard fans, the diehard fans like you and Jim, and obviously Bob, <laughs> you know, they're widely well known for having really good, knowledgeable fans. They don't they don't buy the bullshit that they're forking over. Right. So they can keep playing. You know, fact, like they're really trying, but they're just playing bullshit games. They're they're lying to the fan base. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, at Winter Weekend last night, uh, Craig Breslow was cheered by the fans. But as soon as they introduced Sam Kennedy and Tom Werner, those cheers immediately went to nothing but booze. As soon as uh, ownership came out. Uh, and in Sam Kennedy's case, he's basically a puppet for uh for John Henry at this point, because John Henry didn't even bother to show up to the uh, didn't even bother to show up to the uh, to the arena. So, yeah, his his absence speaks volumes because he's too afraid to show his face. He's running from the truth. He's running from a pissed off fan base. Well, the uh, the Cinderella story is officially over. Uh, the San Francisco uh, 49ers hang on with a game-ending interception by the 49ers defense. 24-21, Niners advance. They meet the winner of Green – or not Green Bay – of Tampa Bay and Detroit for the NFC title. They lost that 11 feeling. No more 11 the air. Unfortunate for Green Bay, man. They played awesome. Yeah, timely pick. It's never good, never good time to throw a pick, but that one was brutal. And sorry, San Francisco yeah, survived that. I don't know how much they really, really earned it. Purdy looked pretty average. Right. San Fran got pretty lucky. Right. That was a pretty good game too. That's probably the best. Pretty game good game out of, uh, out of the two. Uh, that's probably the best game out of the two weeks so far. Yeah. God, so if Green Bay had won that, then Detroit, if they won that, Detroit would be hosting the NFC Championship next week if Green Bay had won. 
I still, I don't know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I, I mean, I think we, most of us see uh, Detroit winning tomorrow. So Detroit, San Fran. San Fran, look, they proved, they showed that they're definitely beatable, that's for sure. And maybe no Debo next week. Yeah, potentially. Detroit, man. Detroit, Let's see. Detroit's not going to be scared. The Lions aren't going to be scared of San Fran now. That's for sure. If they advance. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Giants, uh, the San Francisco Giants, they signed right-handed pitcher Jordan Hicks to a four-year, $44 million deal. Uh, the deal becomes official of, uh, officially now after Hicks passed his physical this week. Uh, there's also $2 million per season in performance-based incentives based on innings pitched as a part of this deal. Uh, where did my thing go? There we go. Uh, and also, uh, they claim that Hicks will get a legitimate chance as a traditional starter, but it seems more likely that he could act as a multi-inning follower, which the Giants have used in often year, uh, often in recent years. Um, he does offer some appeal as a streaming option in deeper mixed leagues for uh, – for fantasy baseball owners, um, but I, you know, I I really don't know what they're. <laughs> you know, I think he would be better if anything out of the bullpen, as because his starting, uh, you know, his starting uh, stats are pretty horrible. Yeah, we touched on that one uh, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for the for the Cardinals tried him in that capacity too, and he failed miserably twice. So I think that the Giants are just overpaying because they. They've just been losing out on a lot of key free agents. Uh, good arm, but yeah, like you said, man, he might just be better as like a chunk, like an inning eater, eater or a long reliever, or a spot starter. But yeah, they're, they're paying him like a, uh, you know, high leverage starter. So let's see if he can perform in the in the role. They do, they do, yeah, pretty darn good with pitching that. I mean, St. Louis used to have a good rep for developing pitchers too. They're not not Tampa Bay, but they're good. But um. San Francisco has known to been known to resurrect some good pitchers, so maybe they maybe they get yeah. a lot a lot out of him out there. You know, they, they, whatever I'm I'm trying to say is, San Fran's pretty good with pitching staffs, that's for sure, with developing pitchers. So maybe they maybe they see something and they can really get him to be a good starter. But that's pretty pretty bold move, pretty risky, a lot of money. Uh, also in Major League Baseball, uh, White Sox starting pitcher Dylan Cease is unlikely to be traded anytime soon, according to MLB.com's Mark Feinsand. Uh, apparently, the White Sox are not budging on price, and teams don't seem to have an interest in paying that price. Uh, and in particular, it was... Uh, the asking price apparently is four of the top ten prospects on a team, uh, and that's just to start with. Um, no thanks. And I mean, he was impressive in 2022 with a 2.2 ERA. However, he took a big step back this year, and teams are now they now seem hesitant to give up the prospects that the White Sox are asking for. Uh, it is possible that Cease gets moved, but now it appears to be more likely to be in the middle of the season when the return 